Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How's it going, Corey? It is going. We are rocking and rolling. We got all kinds of stuff to cover today. Yes, we do. So we're going to get into a number of topics. Omnibus bill, definitely have to talk about that. Sam Bankman-Fried, got to talk about his arrest. The digital transformation of Africa, which you're going to cover. Dell mm-hmm. Big Trees High Wire episode with Dr. Ryan Cole. DeSantis hosts an mRNA vaccine accountability roundtable and gives a couple of big announcements. Nice. And, yep, the FDA targets homeopathic medicine. So lots to Some discuss big today. ones, like really key big ones in this. Yes. And, and should... I'm anxious to hear what you've learned about, because uh, I haven't had two seconds to look at what's going on with the omnibus bill or DeSantis. So, yeah, the omnibus hey. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to fill you in. Of course, the the (laughs) omnibus bill situation is fluid right now. So I'm going to give you all the details as to where we're at as of recording, which was, you know, um, Thursday. So and this release is on Friday. So but thanks to McConnell, a handful of Republican senators reached an agreement with Democrats behind closed doors, of course, on a massive $1.7 trillion omnibus bill to pass before the Christmas holiday. Now, nobody has seen this bill or even knows everything that's in it yet. This is a total betrayal of the voters who put Republicans in the majority in the House for next year. It takes away all of the Republican House leverage for 2023. I mean, they could have used this omnibus bill as leverage to cut wasteful spending, to get rid of the 87,000 IRS agents harassing citizens, to strengthen the border, defund administrative state that's trying to impose tyranny, all of these things that we voted them in to do. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what I know as so far about what's inside this massive spending bill in a minute. But first, I wanted to give you kind of a recap of where we're at right now as of recording. So the House um, passed, first First, they have to pass a one-week continuing resolution to fund the government for a week until they vote next week on the omnibus bill, okay? So this continuing resolution passed in the House. It's currently in the Senate, expected to pass, but uh there are gop senators trying to negotiate um to get certain things put into the omnibus bill as a um as a negotiation um for for passing the continuing resolution this week so rand paul um said he's always looking out for our bottom line mm -hmm, people are asking for amendments Um, to do it in the spring for amendments to remove the 87,000 new IRS agents and amendments to remove the earmarks. So we'll see how that goes um, on late Thursday and Friday, um, what the syndic comes up with as far as a continuing resolution and then heading into next week on what this actual omnibus bill ends up looking like, okay? But mm-hmm. next week, they will no doubt, um, probably hours before the vote, 
drop a 3,000 page omnibus bill. Nobody will have time to read it before the vote. And uh -huh. they need 10 Republicans to betray the American citizens and vote yes on this bill, the omnibus bill next week. So the omnibus bill is around um, $1.7 trillion. Dollars. Well now, done, keep in mind that we're over $31 trillion in debt. And all of this new spending, it's just adding to that debt, which is causing the massive inflation that we're seeing right now. So the National Defense Authorization Act, which we actually talked about last week, is right. part of this bill. It's been rolled into this bill. It's like that's what's being held hostage. It's like you oh. have to pass all of this other pork in order to get the defense spending that you want, right? So the uh, NDAA accounts for $858 billion of this omnibus bill. So the non-defense spending in this bill is about $842 billion. All Democrat and rhino wish list spending. There are 7,500 earmarks in this bill totaling six, over $16 billion. Now, um, the top requester of spending on pet mm. projects is Senator Richard Shelby, a Republican, who was one of the only few to make this deal behind closed doors on the omnibus bill, along with Leahy and Deloro. So Senator Shelby is retiring. He's not worried about re-election or screwing over the <laughs> right. electorate at all. He's requested $656 million for his wish list spending on this bill as a parting gift on his way out. Good Lord. Yeah. We do know um, that this bill will be including, um, as, as of now, is going to be including billions more to Ukraine. We also know that they're going to be tacking in and tucking in non-budget items in this bill, including revisions to the Electoral Count Act, which would limit the ability of members of Congress and the vice president to object to the electoral college slates based on evidence of election fraud, fraud and interference. They're basically trying to protect themselves from another right. January 6th so the Uniparty can stay in power. So oh. this is a complete outrage. Um, oh, I want to mention, though, I did find um, Excel spreadsheets. Um, this one is the Senate's, and this one is the House. I um, love spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. Of I'm the like, 7,500. Yeah, of the 7,500 uh, earmarks um, and where it's all going, everything from transportation to labor and we education. Should sorted, we should have sorted this by dollar amount. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 5.5 5 million. Scroll down three little Three little oh yeah energy and water okay what does that say oh maricopa county community college district hmm yeah hmm. yeah i mean this is there's 7500 earmarks here to go through and it doesn't give you Lord. any details um really specifically on the projects of where these Trellis. millions and millions of dollars are going Trellis. millions what does that say Trellis at the 
trellis at the mission low income affordable housing a lot of it is affordable housing employment Goodness. education transportation Tons of energy and sustainable crap. yep yep yeah it goes on and on and on and on okay Mm hmm so But just bottom line here, this is a complete outrage for um, the Republicans who had voted um, the, the for voters who had put Republicans in the House in control of the House. Um, they're passing a bill to fund the Democrats' policies all the way through next year for like 10 months of next year. And this basically strips the power of the Republicans that are taking over the House next year. So people need to contact their senators and tell them no on this omnibus. Just pass a continuing resolution to fund the government until the Republicans take over in the House. Then break up the bill into 12 separate bills and argue on the merits of each one while stripping out the corrupt, wasteful spending and adding things in like defunding the 87,000 IRS agents Right. and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, let's get rid of them. Just uh, just just um, to put this into perspective, never before has the outgoing defeated majority passed an omnibus bill during a lame duck session. And it's traitors like Mitch McConnell that are helping them to do it this time. Right. My cat wants to chime in. So don't mind him if he starts having conversations with us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when your cat chimes in. <laughs> I, I keep hitting mute, but... Yeah, so that's where we're at now. And like I said, this is a fluid situation. We're going to be seeing more at the end of this week on the continuing resolution. And as we head into next week, how it shapes up for this omnibus bill uh, that they were trying to cram through before the Christmas holiday, probably by the 22nd. Yowza. And rolling into the next one, speaking of lots of money going out and the press is continuing to roll. So this was a little crazy. We've got Biden announcing. Now we're, we're going to let's just roll this clip first before I even talk about it. This is about this digital transformation with Africa money that we're putting into this. So. I'm announcing a new initiative, the Digital Transformation with Africa, working with Congress to invest $350 billion to facilitate more than almost a half a billion dollars in financing to make sure people across Africa can participate in a digital economy. That includes partnerships, like new collaboration between Microsoft and Visat to bring in Internet access to 5 million Africans, part of Microsoft's commitment to bring access to 100 million people across Africa by the end of the year 2025. That means, that means programs to train African entrepreneurs with a focus on women entrepreneurs to code and build skills that need to start their own businesses to secure good-paying jobs and technolo with technology firms. And this will include partnerships between African-American co companies to provide cybersecurity services to make sure Africa's digital environment is reliable and secure. Okay, so so now <laughs> he says $350 billion. Now go to the fact sheet, the press release. So everyone's sharing this across social media. And I'm like, this is this is kind of crazy because 
you know, I've followed a lot of what's gone on in Africa and all the wonderful people involved in this. And so sure enough, it's 350 million, as you can see there in bold in that first paragraph. Uh, there it says is, 450 million. Oh, got no, it, got it. 350 okay. million, but they're going to help facilitate over 450 million in financing, which means other you know organizations are going to be putting money into this. So uh, I don't know if that was intentional or not to, to create a stir and get eyes on it. And the reason I say that is because there's some competition going on with uh, China. So now, hang on, let me find it. Um, if you scroll down to the Department of, U.S. Department of State, uh, one of the bullet points there, it says the U.S. Department of State will spearhead interagency efforts to strengthen the digital enabling environment. I just, I love the words they use. The Department of State's Digital Connectivity and Cybersecurity Partnership will promote an open, interoperable, reliable, and secure digital ecosystem. Activities will include targeted information and communication technology infrastructure efforts, such as testing and deployment of technologies, feasibility studies, prompt promoting supplier diversity and the use of trusted suppliers. And it goes on and on. Um, so, so this is, in my opinion, this is, this is a bribe. So you've got, <laughs> You've got the actual infrastructure they're building to try to control, monitor, and track us, right? So there is a part of that there. And we know Visa and Microsoft and Amazon have been very involved in this. And of course, Gates and Rockefellers and the funders. I know they um, love to use Africa as their little test subject. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then they take that data and they come here into other countries and they say, look at what we did here. Look at what we accomplished. This is what we can do here. Only we're going to, you know, modify it a little bit. So the other thing though, then of course, obviously is a lot of laundering goes through there. In this particular case, I feel like there's this heated bribe going on because if we look at the timeline of this, so if you go to the next tab, um, in October, they had the G5 summit. And this is where Huawei, am I saying that right? I feel like I never Huawei? pronounced it. Huawei? Well, yeah. Huawei. Gosh. Okay. <laughs> so we have, <laughs> every time I read it, I, I read it like it's spelled. And I, I know this isn't right. I know this isn't right. All right. So a 5G summit <clears throat> that was in uh, Bangkok just in October so Huawei, uh, the president of Huawei, North, Northern Africa business, Benjamin Hu, said they are hosting the summit to support digital transformation in the region. This is, this is in Africa. As the third wave of the global 5G market, Africa will open the 5G era in 2023. Huawei will further increase its investment in Africa to support the steady development of 5G to facilitate digital transformation in the region. In Africa for Africa, Huawei will continue to deepen cooperation with industry partners to support customers' business success in the 5G era. Okay, then just weeks later, in November, if we go to the next tab, we've got the Africa Development Bank and African Union Commission sign a 9.73 million grant agreeing to drive digital market development. This is all about this digital transformation. 
And the reason I want to point this out is because the African Development Bank, the African Union, and the uh, African Development Fund, which is like an arm of the bank, all have immunities and privileges. I just covered this in my laundering with immunity report. So <clears throat> that was given through the US, right? So our presidents designated these organizations as international organizations that get immunities and privileges. So you tell me how this money is funneling through and how we're going to see any transparency on any of this. So I think part of it is they are doing the the digital control factor but i think another part of this is a major bribe and bribe and we're never gonna there's just there's competition going on i mean they've all been you know hot on africa for decades and decades using you know raping the land and the people and running the pilot programs and we've seen in the last 10 years everything going on with military over there uh, with China and U.S. and even even uh, Russia was over. Wasn't that a couple years ago? You remember talking about that? It was like off the coast. It was. I want to say it was. Uh, wasn't China and Russia running? Yeah, I mean, China's Belt and Road is all over the place. Oh yeah, um, trying to develop, and then as well as uh, as Russia being involved there too. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, th this to me is just showing us that uh, we don't care. If there's inflation. In fact, we want an economic collapse. Um, we're just going to keep dumping money. Um, yeah. And number one, number two, um, we need to get everybody on board with this and this slave coin system the cbdc digital slave coin system where we can track everything even uh in, in countries underdeveloped countries like africa and we're willing to dump millions or billions to do that of course launder a lot of that money too um right but we've got to get everybody in on board so that there's absolutely no escape doesn't matter what country that you're in right right we're gonna force it on everybody yeah, yeah. telling you well what. speaking of digital transformation a mm -hmm. lot going on in the crypto world right now yeah. so <laughs> sam bankman freed was arrested this week on the 12th just before he was expected to testify before congress potentially revealing incriminating evidence about himself, his co-conspirators, and all those political donations. Convenient, right? Mm -hmm. So he's currently sitting in a rat-infested Bahamian jail awaiting extradition, and the extradition hearing is scheduled for February 8th. That's going to be a little while. So mm. the, the Bahamian government... Um, had issued a statement about his arrest and then, then an additional statement about how they were tipped off. So apparently it was the co-CEO, Ryan Salame, that tipped <clears throat> them off about FTX fraudulently sending Almeida billions. Both SBF and Salame, and probably many others, co-conspirators, are huge 
political donors. I mean, we're talking about contributing $70 million in this cycle. This is all illegal donations using FTX clients' money to donate to Democrats and Republicans. So the Southern District of New York um, unsealed <laughs> their indictment um, this week. And it lists a number of charges from fraud, money laundering, conspiracy, violations of campaign finance laws. This is the indictment we're looking at here of just SBF. Mm. And we're just looking right here on 18 and 19 specifically regarding the charges on campaign finance violations. Um, so, yeah, uh, but co-conspirators mm -hmm. who are involved here, um, they have not yet been indicted. And we know FB SBF didn't work alone in this massive money laundering scheme. Do, do, they, do they list in here? I haven't looked at this. Do they list like co-conspirator number one, number two, number three, or anything like that? Not that, that I'm aware of. They're just saying. They're not mentioning mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So um, it, it appears that the co-CEO, Ryan Salame, has flipped uh, because he's the one who tipped off the Bahamian government. And it's also very possible um, that others have flipped as well, including the ex-girlfriend and ex-CEO of Alameda, Caroline, uh, Caroline Ellison. So, um, but this FTX Ponzi scheme, I've been looking into it for the past couple of weeks, and it goes very deep. And it reveals this house of cards that's intertwined with other crypto firms like Tether, and yeah. so um, FDX was basically robbing uh, their clients, uh, dumping billions into Alameda. Meanwhile, Alameda was Tether's largest cu customer. And Tether is also based in the Caribbean. Its founder is um, this guy right here, Brock <laughs> Pierce, who was a child actor who got heavily involved in a Hollywood child sex trafficking ring under Digital Entertainment Network, also known as DEN, which oh, is boy. connected to Brian Singer. And um, that came out several years ago. So Tether's founder, Brock Pierce, also met with Epstein, I think on a, multiple occasions, supposedly talking about crypto, and yeah. he's a member of the Clinton Global Initiative. Just oh. my hunch here, I think this guy is deeply involved with the intelligence communities and their use of child sex trafficking to compromise people. That's my yeah. hunch based on connecting the dots. But Tether is another massive Ponzi scheme inextricably tied to FTX and Alameda. I mean, they've been under investigation for money laundering, bank fraud, connections to criminal organizations and cartels. But I'll tell you what they won't tell us. They won't tell us how much the intelligence communities like the CIA and, the Mas and Mossad used FTX and Alameda and Tether and others to fund their criminal operations. Right. So, I mean, the fact that Sam Bankman Freed was arrested before testifying mm -hmm. shows that the real co-conspirators involved in this massive Ponzi scheme to fund the DC Uniparty and off-the-books intelligence operations 
they want to shut Sam Bingman freed up very quickly. Yeah. He knows too much. Yeah. And I think it's very possible that SBF could get Epstein before uh, any more oh. information comes out. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. He doesn't, uh, he's definitely not a rock. I've only seen a few clips of him and I haven't had time to really follow it, but just there's, there's no way. I mean, yeah, this, he talks too much. Guy, <laughs> I would give it all up in a second. E- exactly. Exactly. Not only that, but there have been a string of deaths, um, high profile deaths lately in the crypto world. Uh, maybe connected, oh. maybe not, but this is very curious. So on October 29th, a crypto founder named Nikolai Mushkin was found dead in the ocean in Puerto Rico with his wallet on him just hours after tweeting this. CIA and Mossad and pedo elite are running some kind of sex trafficking entrapment blackmail ring out of Puerto Rico and Caribbean islands. They're going to frame me with a laptop planted by my ex-girlfriend who was a spy. They will torture me to death. So hours after posting that tweet, he was found dead in the ocean. Now, people who knew him well, first of all, he had, had posted similar tweets about himself being in danger and connected uh somehow to the cia um previously so but you know family members people that knew him some of them were saying look he was just a troubled person and his death was just an accident while other people who knew him were saying uh, i think he may have known too much all right but i'll tell you who did jump in quickly to make a comment brock Hmm. pierce of tether who was quick to say Oh, it was probably just an accident. Nothing to see here. Right. Right. And then November right. 23rd, November 23rd, another one. Um, this was crypto founder uh, Tantian Kulander, who is the founder of Amber Group, died suddenly and unexpectedly in his sleep on November 23rd. And then on November 27th, we had an- yet another one. This is Vyacheslav Tarin, who's mm. a crypto tycoon, founded Forex Club and Libertex. He died in a strange helicopter crash. And what happened was very quickly after his death, Ukraine's propaganda media quickly came out and said that Tarin was a Russian spy. But his wife has objected to this and said, absolutely not. He was not a Russian spy. In fact, um, Tarin had left Russia years ago, and he's been very heavily involved in helping Ukraine. In fact, Forex Club was banned in Russia, essentially, for money laundering. So Tarin, it's notable to say that Tarin set up a foundation called Change One Life. And this foundation focuses specifically on helping Ukrainian orphans get adopted. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And we know a lot about Ukraine and their terrible history of child trafficking, especially now. There are many Ukrainian orphans who are unaccounted for since the war broke out. So I don't know if this is all connected or exactly how but all of this is very strange but this has all happened in the last few weeks right yep so 
it, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the exact dates you said about those deaths, but October it 29th, like... November, and both, and then two others in November. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But one thing is for sure, they will use Sam Bankman Freed as the scapegoat to bring FTX down and to oh, do yeah. a, con- yeah, and to do a controlled demolition of crypto altogether without exposing who the real co-conspirators were behind it all, which I believe DC Uniparty is involved. I believe intelligence communities are involved, of course. Right. It's like the Ghislaine Maxwell saga. They'll never let those names out. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they're going to conduct these fake hearings, which they've been doing all week on Mm. how they're going to regulate crypto while they work on ushering in this CBDC slave coin. Right. Good Lord. We're living in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) We are. It's just crazy times, just espionage and so much corruption. Absolutely. But we, and speaking of corruption, we, we need to get into, um, we have several things to talk about on the medical side of things, a lot to do with COVID and, um, the FDA. So I know that you watched, um, this report here on the high wire and wanted to kind of talk about it a little bit. This was really good. I don't get a lot of time to, um, watch, you know, other people's, uh, podcasts and shows and, Every now and then I try to set aside a little bit of time, like I'll bookmark stuff that, that looks really important to me and, um, you know, or occasionally if it's like short and humorous, cause you got to get the humor in. So this was really good. It's, I started in at one Oh two and it went about an hour and 10 minutes. And so Dell big tree on the high wire, this was episode 297 called bleeding truth. And he sat down with um, pathologist Ryan Cole, who's, you know, been a pathologist for 26 years doing this. And he's been studying all of all of this about the the jab, the effects. You know, he's done autopsies and he's studied. um, He collaborates with many other scientists in other countries. And so they've shared a lot of their research and the slides and. Um, the, they get into the, uh, the clots and explaining that, but what Dell wanted to do, and this is why I have a lot of respect for him is he's no matter which way it falls, he's all about getting to the facts and the truth. You know, he really doesn't like to speculate and I, and I respect that about him. So what he wanted to do was, you know, he got into, well, is there really graphene oxide? Um, are these, um, you know, contaminants. Um, what is it we're seeing here? Is there um, actual parasites we're seeing? And so uh, Ryan Cole broke this all down and um, it was very thorough. It was very good. Uh, they He met with, because um, c- a lot of uh, like coroners and whatnot or other scientists who don't necessarily want to be out about this but they're very concerned about what they're seeing because none of them have ever seen this kind of clotting before they'll like send samples over to him and um he's all about getting this information out and so with the uh they did not they had over a hundred different samples and they were you know plus ones that they've all individually studied as well and they did not find they're saying there isn't 
parasites and graphene oxide. They're not finding any of that. They're finding a lot of contaminants and there's, there's um, particle, like little tiny pieces of metal or um, gosh, uh, botanical, right? Because a lot of people were just in their offices or something and looking under a microscope that's not nearly to the caliber that they have in these laboratories, you know, and what they were seeing was actually what that looks kind of like a little spider thing or a parasite of some sort was like botanical, like just the slightest little thing in the air that gets caught in the slide, just the tiny, tiniest little speck. And, but he said, what is very, very concerning, the two key things that are very concerning that, you know, they're warning against taking the jab at all is the lipid nanoparticle and the gene sequence. Yeah, that, that is just damaging, you know, it's just like eating up the red cells immediately. And then they're not, they're not coming back. And then people are getting boosters. And then that's causing all kinds of, you know, inflammation, heart problems, respiratory problems. But they were seeing, you know, the giant clots, we've seen lots of pictures of these going around. They have seen that in some people post-COVID as well as post-jab, more so post-jab. But they've also with those post COVID have been able to surgically remove some of them. And, you know, the people are still living. Um, so I would highly recommend, Oh, one other thing too, is that they noticed is that like that MRNA, the bottom line is these are not pure. They're not pure. They're not clean. There's total inconsistency within each. So like within Pfizer's, within AstraZeneca's or Moderna's individually and across the board, there's just massive inconsistency. And this, what he's showing here is Dell actually, um, they took blood from Dell and put it on slides and then they added the jab, the, to the, you know, the liquid from the syringe to the slide on the blood and then they they analyze it just to see what would happen and obviously that's like a big dose right to blood it's a little different than going in your arm but it still gives them more information to go on and it was just showing how rapidly like the spike proteins were um replicating and wow eating up the red blood cells i just found it all very fascinating and so they said one of the biggest concerns is like with them not being pure which is the gold standard is that the mRNAs are, are breaking apart. So like you'll have the M over here and you got the RNA and I don't know if I'm saying this right, forgive me, but it's like, it's breaking apart, which is really dangerous because they know that if, if that happens, that, that part of that can then be uh, a carcinogen. And so I liked that they took the time to, go through all this and dispel some information while bringing new information and while assessing some information we've known for a while, but trying to get to the bottom of all of this. And um, I found it very informative and fascinating. So I just, I just recommend people watch that. Yeah. Highwire puts out some great stuff. I, I mean, know. always. Yeah. And Dr. Ryan Cole is like really on top of this uh, yeah. fantastic information so check that out guys and speaking about um the mrna injections and the adverse events from them um because now we know just so much about all of the clotting sudden deaths cancers rising infertility i mean it's 
the, the amount of data that we have now, it, it's incredible. And I don't know how anybody at this point would be convinced to say, oh, you know, I'm going to go take this jab. But right. um, DeSantis, um, Governor DeSantis in Florida held an mRNA, COVID mRNA vaccine accountability roundtable. And it was talking all about this, uh, where he ha- uh, had, you know, prominent doctors on there who have been attacked and, you know, for standing against the COVID narrative. And they talked about how big pharma and big government has really hidden the data, covered up the data of the adverse events and about everything that they knew about the dangers. Mm-hmm. And so out of this roundtable, came two big an- announcements that don't just affect Florida, but they're going to um, affect all of us in, in a positive way, I believe. Um, so the first announcement that De- DeSantis made is that he is petitioning the um, Florida Supreme Court um, to uh, impanel a grand jury to investigate wrongdoings by big government and big pharma and what they knew about adverse events, what they knew about the dangers while they were forcing and coercing the COVID jab on people. And Mm -hmm. so this investigation will likely shed light on subpoena documents, internal documents that they knowingly pushed the dangerous and ineffective experimental gene-altering injection on the masses and bring some account accountability in the form of lawsuits. So I think that that's huge because it's going to give us a lot of new information that they're able to obtain through subpoena. Uh, The second, yeah, the second big announcement out of this is that the, um, that Florida is launching an investigation into sudden deaths after COVID, after the COVID jab, wow. uh, by conduct yeah. by conducting autopsies of people who have died suddenly um, after taking the jab. So this is going to provide a lot more accurate data because sudden deaths, like the CDC's data about, say, myocarditis, for example, does not include sudden deaths. We know, I mean, this is, we've known this for a while. They don't do autopsies. They don't want to know how these sudden deaths die, these people who died suddenly, how they died. So Florida is going to investigate sudden deaths and give way more accurate information about how these people died um, and compare that to the lies that we've been told by, say, the CDC, for example. That is so important. Now, did they say when they're going to get the uh, panel, the grand jury panel? What was it you said they were? So um, DeSantis said he has petitioned with the Supreme, Florida Supreme Court that to impanel a grand jury. He said he believes this Florida Supreme Court will do it, meaning like I'm sure he's already kind of gotten the you know right. the idea that this is going to happen uh right. he did not provide a time frame so i guess it's up to the supreme court um when this grand jury gets impaneled and the investigation mm. starts okay. um i believe the autopsy research is beginning immediately gosh i hope so i yeah. hope so it's just uh, yeah <laughs> mm. 
so much in my brain i would love to just purge out and unleash right now we need to just do like a complete freestyle off of research and stuff and notes we have that just don't have the time to write everything up you know yep yep one of these days i'm telling you <laughs> Well, speaking of these, you know, corrupt agencies, I know yeah. that there's some information you wanted to get out there about the FDA going after homeopathic medicine. And well, this is kind of nothing new, but I guess there's a new push lately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is really frustrating. So if you go to uh, to my site, Ed, uh, James and I recently just did an episode, uh, well, we recorded a few weeks back with Paola Brown. She's phenomenal um, on, you know, homeopathic health and homeschooling. And she has this fantastic curriculum. It's super fun, super cool, like for the whole family, all ages, so they can learn and study. And it's, it's a cool thing to throw in with your um, homeschooling. And so during that time, she was saying how the FDA is really amping it up. And she is um, also the president of Americans for Homeopathy Choice. So she's been battling with the FDA and everything for a long time over this and is kind of on the front lines here. So, uh, so all of a sudden, last week, I see this drop. And I'm like, oh, no. And I email her. And I'm like, okay, break this down for me in cliff notes. You know, I have the FDA document here, but I just, I wanted to get her insight. She's very sharp. So if you go to the FDA doc edge, um, one thing I want to point out before I give the summary on this, because what's happening is there's a lot of information going around on the internet right now where everyone's going, the FDA is saying that homeopathy is illegal. They're going to pull everything from the shelves. And that's not really how this is going to go down. They're saying that, um, the illegal part has to do with it being marketed. And what this is, is a guideline. Okay. So it's not good. I'll say that. Kind of how uh, they, they impose guidelines. The CDC <clears throat> imposed guidelines on mandates. Right, These are guidelines on how we're going to begin to regulate. So um, one of the key points that I don't know, I don't see people pointing out here is the reason for this is um yeah you would have to click the um if you click the download find the at the top edge where it says download it's just going to pop up the pdf for you um but at any rate on if you go down to the bottom of page two under section 505g of the fdnc act as added by the cares act which reforms and modernizes the OTC drug review process established in 1972, FDA now issues administrative orders to make its GRAS slash E, GRAS slash front slash E, determinations for certain non-prescription drugs marketed without an approved application. Okay, so homeopathy, I wish we could, we don't really... Well, I don't know. We, yeah, it's a little too long. I wish we could just play the whole video. Um, I don't remember what time we started, but uh, Paola really breaks this down beautifully, and um, I can I can just read through her outline as opposed to playing the video. But I highly recommend people go in and watch. You know, it's probably about an eight minute video where she breaks this all down and explains what's going on and how they've been battling with the FDA and what these guidelines really mean and how exactly this is going to roll out. 
and how they, um, you know, if you want to, you can even sign up uh, free with Americans for Homeopathy Choice, and then you'll get like alerts and everything on what's going on in that industry. So this is how she breaks it down. The FDA guidance now final. It is only a policy document and not the law. Homeopathy remains legal. The uh, Food and Drug and Cosmetics Act recognizes all remedies listed in the homeopathic uh, farm. I'm not even going to try and say it of the United States. <laughs> it's pharma, pharma, homeopathic pharma. <laughs> Therefore, homeopathic medicines are recognized by federal law because this was put in, <clears throat> excuse me, decades ago, actually by a former uh, senator to ensure that uh, homeopathic remedies would stay completely legitimate and not get you know not get squashed throughout time but we're in like a different time now and we know they're trying to remove all possible healing uh remedies <clears throat> we saw it happen during covid with them pulling saying you can't do hcq or ivermectin and <clears throat> trying to suggest that the jab was the only way to go and and then uh, we see it now also, they're gunning for the vitamins and supplements. I'm wanting to regulate those more. So, okay, so I'll continue. So uh, this does not make homeopathic medicines illegal. Nevertheless, this is having a chilling effect on the market. The FDA asserts that because homeopathic medicines are <clears throat> unapproved new drugs, they are subject to the new drug application process. The FDA knows that the new drug application process, which is designed to evaluate the risks of chemical pharmaceuticals, is not appropriate, appropriate for homeopathic medicines and also not financially feasible for manufacturers of homeopathic remedies. The agency stated that it is using the designation of unapproved new drug as an enforcement tool to give it the authority to remove homeopathic medicines whenever necessary. However, the FDA would have to pull medicines off the market one by one and would likely end up in court as a result. It could not, for instance, pull all versions of, uh, I don't even know how to say it, Econitum uh, Nepalis off the market. But the FDA has other means to force medicines off the market, such as smear campaigns and blocking imports of homeopathic medicines, which is already happening. We already um, saw that happen during the whole COVID uh, right. so-called crisis. Yeah. So, uh, so essentially they're saying, you know, look, you're going to have to start, we're going to create a list here and, and, and you've got the whole guide there if people want to go in and download that and review it, but they're going to start basically saying, okay, we're going to start with these because we feel these might not be safe and effective, which, yeah, let me go back to that and point this out real quick. Hang on. I got to keyword it. And okay. So they say generally a drug, including a homeopathic drug is considered a new drug. If it is not generally recognized as safe and effective by qualified experts for use under the conditions prescribed, recommended, or suggested in the labeling. Now, let me go to the next passage on that. Um, uh, where'd it go? 
because that unapproved products for serious and or life-threatening diseases or conditions raise public health concerns in part because they may cause users to delay or discontinue medical treatments that have been found safe and effective through the new drug application or biologics license application approval process. And it just Makes you want to throw your computer out the window when you're reading this, right? I know. Why? Anytime they say safe and effective. Uh, right. It's, it's like cringe. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Every time you hear that term, we literally have millions of people with permanent disabilities. We have people dying, dropping dead, children, young people in their 20s, 30s, athletes all over from this freaking experimental poison that they have all the proof of right in front of them. And they continue to stay safe and effective on those. And yet we're going to take homeopathic medicine that has no damn side effects, has never caused anyone any problems. I mean, this reminds you of like the whole HCQ thing, right? Mm-hmm. Been around for freaking years. No one's ever had problems with it. So it's it's very, very uh, frustrating. And we can see the writing on the wall and we can see that they are gunning for all of our... Um, all of the means to heal ourselves through more healthy, natural remedies. And I just think it's important that uh, people keep their eyes on this and the vitamins and supplements and you stock up where you can and you fight this and you speak up about this. And um, because look, I know as corrupt as the system is, it, it feels like everything is this like uphill battle and it is, but we have seen time after time after time when the public voice gets loud enough, they will back down on certain things, you know? So I also think it's important that people start, you know, I, we, we, I could do, well, I could do a whole episode just on energy healing because the power we have within ourselves is, uh, people are so much more powerful and have the ability to, to heal themselves and not, you know, but we've just been raised to rely, like to always go outside yourself, to always rely on others. There's a pill for everything. It's like, (laughs) I always crack up at these, these, you know, big pharma ads, you know, that they, they kept people like running through fields and, eating lunch at a you know little diner together and they're all so happy and then the end of the ad has like all these horrible side effects like it's supposed to be an antidepressant but you make you know the side effects are like depression and suicide things like i know that. the side like... effects take up more than the actual <laughs> commercial spot itself it's pretty funny. makes no sense i know why we have become addicted to popping a pill for everything there has to be better solutions i think homeopathic or medicine... just we're just not trusting in yourself or in your body or in your own abilities to heal and obviously there are some things that are very severe i mean you break a leg you go to the hospital you know there's certain things but it's just yeah so but paola's uh full episode at will actually be is publishing thursday night so it'll be out uh that's on the solution series and she goes over her whole curriculum and homeopathy and it's actually it's it's phenomenal so Awesome. Check that out on coreysdigs.com in the support, I'm not sorry, it's not support tab, solution series tab. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was feel free to go to the right support here. tab if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so last night I'm sitting here uh, 
And all these movies started popping in my head. And I'm like, you know, for the people, and I'm seeing like this whole journey of like from from start to finish of what the journey they're wanting to impose on us, right? And I'm thinking, gosh, if people aren't willing to, you know, read or review studies or look at theirs or see what's going on with the whole new world order and uh great reset and 2030 on and on and on just give them like a list of the movies and say okay here's the journey they want you on watch all of these and then maybe you'll start to get it because once you see these movies and then you pay any amount of attention as to what's going on in the world, you start to see all the connections, you know? Right. Like this is not science fiction. This is actually what they want to happen. <laughs> right. So, so you have to like plug in some to this. So these are the ones that just popped in my head from like beginning of the journey to the end of journey. Right. So the matrix, the Truman show, hunger games, contagion, divergent, ready player one, Soylent green, the Giver, Westworld, Transcendence, and I Am Mother. That's a good list. I, I would add <laughs> 1984 on that for sure. We are oh, actually right. living in 1984. Right. That's the first one that comes <laughs> off the top of the, my head that we missed. But I'm sure that, um, and feel free to leave some comments on what, <laughs> what other movies we missed. Of them. There's tons of them, but those those are ones that kind of portray the areas that we've been in and we're going through and where it's headed you know yeah that's this is like a really dystopian <clears throat> um you know like binge watch over the holidays right let's <laughs> how many is that one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven so eleven movies tell someone to just you know binge watch eleven movies and then start paying attention to what's going on in the world and and just uh open their eyes yeah, yeah, that's one way to do it. Anyway, you and, can. And, you know, we need to stop it before we get to Soylent Green. Like, let's oh, just please. stop yes. it at the halfway mark. <laughs> we need to stop it, like, <laughs> yesterday. Oh, right. Insanity. But we do have the holidays coming up. I hope that people um, have time to take some time with their family to enjoy some of the little things in life and show, you know, um, spend some time just feeling thankful and blessed um, although we know times are tough for a lot of people out there. Um, yeah, and, and the speaker is going to join us next week on the, let's see, is it Friday the 23rd is going to join us for our, you know, our holiday episode. And not that we know what we're talking about yet, but speaker's going to be on with us. Awesome. So for those who some... keep asking where speaker, he's been yes. really busy working, um, and so we asked him to hop on with us next week. That'll be fun. Yay. Yeah. Maybe a lighthearted episode for the holidays. So right? yeah, that'd be that awesome. Be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in no longer on youtube so be sure to subscribe to our other platforms so you don't miss an episode and we'll see you back next time right here on dig it